Hello everyone, uh, welcome to episode number 29 um, of What's Happening in Travel with uh, my buddy and myself, Kerwin. So um, I found some numbers this week and we've had uh, 142,000 downloads since we saw that on April 24th. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We truly appreciate that. And one of the cool thing is that we have touched people on every continent except Antarctica. And so um, that is actually uh, really good. So thank you. Um, one of the interesting thing is that most of the people who are, who are from the United States are in Chicago. Uh, so that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how that happened, but that's kind of what's going wow. on. So, um, so today what we're going to do, there's so much crazy thing going on in the airline industry. And so today what we thought was, Sorry, as I take a little uh, sip of water. And oh, by the way, behind me is, is um, Honolulu. And if you look right there, that's Diamond Head. And you can actually you can actually hike up there. So basically, it's this big crater, and you can walk inside the crater. And you can hike up to the top and see all of the city from there. And Kusha, what have you got in your in your thing? Um, FedEx M11 taking off from LA. Ah, there we go. Such a beautiful airplane. Um, and so we're, we're coming with good news this week. Uh, the industry is in you know, whatever. It's a lot by choice, by the way. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of good news have come out. And, uh, and I, I actually asked Kush, I said, dude, we've got to have good news. And so um, starting with the first piece of good news is uh, more flights are coming out of IAH. As you know, they had stopped. Uh, basically, no one is going anywhere. Um, for a while out of, out of IH, which is Houston Intercontinental. There are two airports here, Houston Hub and Houston Intercontinental. The primary one is international, is IAH, but Hobby also has international. I think uh, Southwest goes to Mexico from there. And I think they also do Montego Bay, Jamaica. And Aruba. And Aruba, yeah. So a lot of those flights are starting. And um, I didn't do a lot, but I just did to Europe. And so basically, um, Houston to Amsterdam, KLM is doing daily. Uh, in a, so like, not this week, I think they have like one or two flights, but if you look at next week, um, they're gonna have um, a lot more a lot more flights. So these schedules are based on next week. So KLM to Amsterdam, they have a daily 787-9 um, service. And United is also doing uh, Houston, Amsterdam three times a week on a 787-9. The Frankfurt Lufthansa is doing three times a week with the Airbus A330. So um, no more A380 and they're not using the 748 to here, but they're actually using the 748 to Mexico City because a friend of mine flew it last week. Don't steal my thunder. That's coming up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was actually empty. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> so United three times a week, uh, they have a 787-9. And Houston to Doha, um, Qatar is bringing in a, a 851,000 four times a week. Houston, Dubai, uh, Emirates is flying the 777L three times a week. Houston Pirates, Air France is taking the A330-200 three times a week. Uh, Houston, Istanbul, uh, Turkey, three times a week on a 789, which I have never seen uh, uh, Turkish Airlines 789. Have you seen one of those yet, Kusha? No, they're relatively new, though. Yeah, so I haven't seen one of those. So maybe we have to make a trip to the airport or something to check it out. But they come in so late. I yeah. Know. Yeah, so we'll it's see. It's going to be dark now. When they it's going to be dark by the time they arrive. 
Um, and the other one is um, Houston to Sao Paulo. Uh, United has the ebook also still fly to Taipei. Um, yeah, I didn't check. I checked Asia, but I didn't check Taipei yet. Okay. Um, so there are a few more schedules. I'm going to put these in the show notes so you guys can see them, and I'll have the full list there. And uh, you can get to Mexico and everybody. Uh, Viva Airbus, Air Mexico, um, United, they're all flying from Houston. And but one thing United was very strong in Central America as well. Yeah. And, and one thing to remember is that the, the fact that the airlines are flying there doesn't mean that COVID has stopped, okay? So um, it means that you should still do whatever protocols a country requires you to do. So um, check the requirements. More than likely, you have to go online and fill a form out, and you have to have a negative COVID test to even go, or you have to be tested when you get there. So if you're not feeling well, please don't fly. Uh, because that's what's causing uh, COVID to spread. The second thing else, if you're sick, you shouldn't be flying in the first place. Um, so uh, just make sure you do the, do the COVID test or do whatever the countries that you're trying to fly to are telling you to do. And also remember that some of these European countries are not accepting Americans. Uh, and Americans meaning Americans that have been living in the United States. So if you're living elsewhere that doesn't have a COVID problem, you're okay. But if you're coming from the US, um, more than likely you're not gonna be able to enter uh, Europe. So those Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Paris flight, make sure you check that. Um, okay, so with that said, um, we have some good news. First good news is um, United and Change Fees. What have you got there, Kishore? So they United kicked this off. Um, for now, this is only uh, domestic, U.S., um, that effective, I believe, September 1st, for all tickets booked through year-end 2020, there are no longer any change fees. Hmm. So if you decided to leave, let's say, tomorrow to go somewhere, and then decided, no, I can't do it, I have to go later, you'd have to pay this hefty change fee, which actually was a fairly significant source of revenue for all U.S. airlines. Yeah. But um, all these carriers have had to be resourceful to try and coax passengers back onto flights. So this is another means they've used um, to try and make things a little more pleasant for potential flyers, at least domestically. Yeah. They've said no change fees. Um, and then effective, they've added that, added onto this by saying effective January 1st, you can also stand by on the same day of departure for, let's say, an earlier flight without a fee. Now, this was, again, a large source of revenue for a lot of U.S. airlines. Yeah. So they've eliminated that to make it even easier for passengers um, to fly. Um, and it's, I have to say that this is only applicable for economy and premium cabins, and this is not valid for any uh, BE fares, basic economy fares. But uh, there's a caveat to that. But I just wanted to mention that um, uh, customers can list themselves for standby flights effective Jan 1st by themselves, and as usual, it's the Typical 30 minutes before a domestic flight and one hour before an international. 
I think that's okay. a pretty remarkable change United made to kick things off on the 30th. Yeah, that's not bad. Then the other two big carriers, um, American and Delta, really had no option but to go along. Right. So American upped the ante and said not only domestic U.S., but near U.S., for instance, Canada, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, and the Caribbean, actually. I, I'm, so, I'm laughing because, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, hold on one sec. I'm laughing because um, uh, airlines are weird. They've just cut out geography. So when they talk about, like, international, like, oh, but except the Caribbean. Well, it's international. It is not a part of the United States. Same thing, they go, oh, except Mexico. Or sometimes they'll have a market, um, they'll have business markets that have special fares to business market Mexico, but then you can't do it to leisure market Mexico. A business market is at Mexico City, and the leisure market is like Cancun or someplace like that. So it's, God, they're, gonna make, they're making it so confusing so people are not going to understand it now. But um, I think what American did also was copy Southwest, and they had this uh, fair difference voucher. So the re the example they gave was that let's say you have a 500 US dollar ticket right now and you rebooked on a 300 dollar US US dollar ticket in right. the future they would actually give you a credit for the right. 200 of, okay. um a voucher which i think is pretty remarkable yeah well, i mean and that makes oh. sense to give you your right they're not going to give it the money back but at least they, at least you can use it later and since there's no change fee you don't lose anything right right yeah. So this copies Southwest. Um, so let's see if that helps these carriers. But, um, but they added another caveat because United excluded uh, uh, basic economy passengers from all these changes. Right. But Americans said that um, you can, if you buy a basic economy fare, you can pay extra and upgrade to, for more legroom or a, a higher cabin and things like that. So um, they've expanded their scope yeah. and also no change fees. I but surprisingly, should, sorry, go ahead. I think they should get rid of basic economy fares, but that's a whole other conversation. Because it may- it yeah. Well, it's coming up, it's coming up. Yeah, it didn't make sense before. It was really a horrible thing for them to do. Uh, and besides, I don't think people are buying them anyway, because by the time you compare the two fears, they're like, I might as well buy the expensive one, which is what they're expecting. But it's annoying, and people just hate the airlines more. So just, just get rid of them. Just wait. Just wait until later on the show. Okay. <laughs> I'm, jumping, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> yes. Just all these little secret things that he has for us. So we can but look forward to that. Carry on. <laughs> what I found was unusual, that as of my last check, which was yesterday, Delta still retained the standby fee, as yeah. did JetBlue and the US LCCs like Allegiant and Frontier. Now, I don't know how long they can hold on to that. I can see the ULCCs um, yeah, holding I think they're on. Gonna keep that. They're gonna keep that. Yeah, because their fares are so low anyway. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know if Delta will have to cave or not. But we find out. My guess that Ed was in a meeting and they couldn't get him for comment. So. <laughs> I doubt Delta would make a misstep like that. Uh, but you know, Delta has been doing so good. Um, like, I don't think people hold this against them. And you know, it's, 
it's how they done all the right things. They've done all the right things. Like, you know, somebody is really looking at the customer and going, if I was a customer, I'd be ticked off if this is happening. And so they're just fixing them all. So good. But um, so, yeah, I think this is pretty significant. It is. And it's a good They're thing. going to lose this whole chunk of revenue, segments of revenue from change fees and standby fees. But you know what, Tisha? And they're losing it I anyway. I hope it pays off. Yeah, they're losing it anyway. So you might as well do it, right. get some feel good from the customer. And then people go like, oh, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Because people like Southwest because of that. Because I, yep. I had a fair with Southwest and I was like, what? There's no change fee? And it felt so good. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, cool. Um, so, uh, is the second, did you already talk about the second one, American shift strategy? No, this is, um, uh, I think about two weeks ago, we mentioned how United was, uh, flying to Florida from several Midwestern cities. Oh yeah, that's right. Point, instead yes. of yes. hub to spoke. Uh-huh. Well, American, just as expected, followed suit. Fair enough. And they have announced 23 new point-to-point uh, flights, which is, again, pretty remarkable. A lot of these are, again, focused on the Midwest, U.S. Um, cities like Columbus, Indiana, Indianapolis, um, Raleigh-Durham, St. Louis, and uh, Kansas City, for instance. And the big three U.S carriers traditionally relied on business traffic for a lot of their revenue. Well, that's gone with no uh, revival in the near future. So then they've targeted the leisure uh, passengers. And these are flights to Mexico, in, in particular Mexico beaches like um, Cancun and uh, Cabo San Lucas on the West Coast. So again, as I said, um, most of these are to the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, for Cancun, uh, for Cabo, they've got Austin, JFK, and Sacramento of all places. Oh, uh, they, yeah, but uh, they don't have too much competition. But to Cabo, they have Eastern Airlines. Remember, this is the Miami-based um, incarnation yeah. of Eastern Airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt Americans are worried about them but they've got Alaska on the Sacramento route. Yeah. And also Delta and Frontier for the Cancun flights. Um, So these flights start in December and they go through um, April, 2021. So they're seasonal. As you would expect, the snow people wanting to escape the cold and uh, heading to the beaches of Mexico. And then what they also did is that they added a lot of flights from, um, this is American, Miami and Phoenix to cities that they currently don't have um, connecting those two cities nonstop. Uh, Um, For instance, from Phoenix, they concentrated on the U.S. West, Northwest, like Billings and Bismarck um, and... uh, cities like Pittsburgh and Raleigh-Durham. And they also included Calgary from Phoenix. But from Miami, um, they had other cities as well, like mostly focused on the Midwest, like Ohio, Kentucky, Wisconsin, 
and also the Northeast. Um, a lot of these were regional, some of them were mainline, and almost all of them were day of week, typically Saturday, mm -hmm. Saturday to Saturday. So again, catering more to the leisure passenger, but um, significant changes to their network stra strategy, I think. And on a related note, I just wanted to mention this, that they are actually preparing for the return of the MAX in the fourth quarter of this year. Okay, that makes sense. Now, last I read, Boeing was thinking of um, reinstating the aircraft in the first quarter of 2021. But all 24-ish of the American 737 MAXs have been flown to Tulsa in Oklahoma, which is their huge maintenance base. Yeah. And they're going to be apparently retrofitted there. Now, I thought they would have to go back to uh, the Boeing factory, but clearly that doesn't appear to be the case. Well, they have no space in the factory. <laughs> it's easy well, to fly the mechanics with the parts out. <laughs> so, but that would be wonderful, though, if they could uh, get these planes back into service in yeah. the fourth quarter. And by the way, Kusha, I don't know what's, what's the 737 MAX you're talking about. That's <laughs> right, but they have a mix of eight. No, I think they're all dash eights. I think they're all dash eights as yeah. well. American yeah. has all yeah. dash eights. I think United is the only one with the dash nine. Yeah, we're we're um we're we're laughing at that because Boeing changed the name from the Max yes. 737 Max to so the 737 dash eight dash seven dash nine dash ten. But they haven't really done it. They've done it officially ish, yeah. as they say. But I was surprised to hear that the 737 Max eight. It's going to replace the 752, 757-200. I guess that makes um, sense. Yeah. Because and you know, also, you know they're United... getting rid of their older 737-800s. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, that 737-8 is what United flies Houston to, um, to uh, Alaska, Anchorage. And, okay. Uh, yeah, and they used to use the seven five seven two hundred for that. Okay. So yeah, I could definitely see it because um, you know then they won't have to, they shouldn't have to weight restrict it. Um, so that should be interesting. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. But they have an order for one hundred of the the seven three seven. I, I believe it's all dash eight. Yeah. Um. You know, it makes sense. The Euros carriers are going to stand behind Boeing. There's no, I can't see them abandoning Boeing because it just doesn't work that way. Well, what about Delta? Uh, well, well, I mean, Delta never bought any of those because you know they already they already had the eight hundreds and they were happy with them. Um, but they bought the triple seven though. Uh, well, yeah, but they bought the seven six. Remember, they were the only one of two airlines for the seven six four hundred. But I, I guess I mean in I mean in the sense that they didn't get rid of. Um, like we didn't see the U.S. carriers saying, "Nope, we're not flying the nine, the seven thirty-seven Maxes anymore." You know, they're still committed to them, so they're not like, yeah. I mean, Southwest yeah. is still committed because they have a whole bunch of them anyway, and so is American, and so is um, United. So there's Boeing cannot afford to lose them, right? U.S. carriers, they just yeah. cannot. Yeah, I mean, you know, sadly Boeing made a mistake or a lot of mistakes, and they're correcting them, and it, it sadly cost we people hope. their lives. And um, and hopefully we'll, you know, you, you can't bring people back, uh, unfortunately. But hopefully, you know, they'll 
still make amends and fix things and move forward. All right. So um, I guess I alluded to this earlier. Uh, American is reimagining it. It's basic economy offerings. What are they doing, Krishna? So <laughs> this was again a strategy by all the U.S. majors, uh, specifically um, Delta, United, and American. Because Delta introduced this, it, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think so. To lure passengers away from um, ULCCs uh, with no frills fares. So it's been a mixed success. People love to complain about the airlines and this gave them a valid excuse that there were too many restrictions and this and that. But I think the airlines made pretty clear that these fares were not what most passengers are used to. Like you couldn't get a seat assignment for free and things like that. But um, in this post-COVID era, what American is seeing as an opportunity to try and introduce leisure travelers, be more loyal to them. Let me ask you this. I didn't know this. Can you guess how many of American tickets in June were basic economy? June of this year? Yes. Around um, June was when they were ramping up um, service after the lockdown, if you will, of the March to May time frame. Um, I would say a lot, uh, not a lot, because you can't change your seats. And give me a number. Um, God, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd say how many are basic economy? How many tickets that Americans sold for yeah. June flights were basic economy? I would say one in every 10. So that's 10%? Yeah, 1%. For a factor of eight lower. <laughs> it was 85%. So people are still buying those tickets? Regardless 85% of, of Americans' tickets. This was in the American press release. Regardless of the fact that they can't, they couldn't, um, change seats? Yes. Now, here's what I thought was interesting. People are crazy. No, no, not really. They're budget conscious. Here's what I didn't... Yes, yeah, so they don't really care. Exactly. And how did American know that most of these passengers were below 30, age 30? Because how the could they know that? Because the millennials don't give a crap. No, but how could American know that... These passengers were there. under 30 years of age. They, don't they were them. not affiliated to the, um, the AA Advantage program. loyalty program. So maybe they guessed. I doubt it. No, there's no American other way. would never put out something that yeah. they hadn't validated. There's no other way that maybe they surveyed them post ticketing. I don't know. But that's, that's I just thought that was interesting that they, uh, that so yeah. many of their tickets were sold to an entirely new demographic. Because again, American United and Delta have typically focused on um, the business oh. traveler. Oh, for sure. Ameri oh, sorry, can I just say this one thing? Yeah. For yeah. American, it was about 10 to 15% of their traffic was business, um, but 40% of their revenue. 
And since that has mostly evaporated, they have no choice but to go after this uh, budget travel. Okay. And why not? Why yeah. not? But it, 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 it would make sense that the younger people are buying it because all the older people are scared to fly because, yes. um, you know, they're in yes, the high. Yes, that's exactly what they said. Yeah, and the older people are smarter. They, I'm not saying that they, uh, the millennials are not smart. They're going to get letters. I, it's, and that's fine. But millennials, they don't really think. They're like, <laughs> it's, it's a young thing. When we were younger, we never thought, we we're like, oh, we're going to go anyway, right? And if somebody goes, well, but there's coronavirus, they're like, yeah, I won't catch it. And they just go. <laughs> but when you're older, you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a family. I have children. I have this. I have that. There's a lot more things. So they're more carefree. So Here's where Americans tailored their um, new and their basic economy version 2.0. So they said, okay, this is where um, passengers come into us uh, into our flights. It's sort of like an automobile. Like okay. you, let's say a first-time buyer buys the smallest car, and then you know upgrades to maybe I don't know for Honda's case an Accord or whatever from a Civic or whatever, what have you. Yeah. So, you know, you couldn't upgrade, you couldn't get a seat assignment. Um, you couldn't do a lot of things with a basic economy fare. It's hard. Now, American it's hard. Um, is, so, so I'm guessing you don't really like these fares. No, I bought but, them, uh, but I have status with American and I have status with Delta. Yes, so on that so, subject. Yeah, when you have status, have said, it's different. Well, not yes, it is. So Americans formalized that uh -huh. that if even one of their elite passengers buys a basic economy fare, they can get the free bags, they can upgrade, they can get preferred seats or whatever. Yeah, Delta was free. already doing that. Well, Americans just instituted that, so they made it more attractive. Yeah, Delta was already. And you have to give them credit for that. And um, and United was already doing that. Because when I flew, so when I when I buy a basic economy ticket on United, huh. I use my United credit card. Because when I use that United credit card, I can actually get a better seat, and I don't have to pay for my bags. I never have any bags, but but you can also get priority boarding. On yes. I don't know if you can do that with Delta. Yes, or... I, yes, I do. I, I okay. get the um as because what what happens is that your status overrides all that. And I wrote a whole article about basic economy um, tickets. Um, okay. And, and this is the, when you're a frequent flyer, you do get a little more. And um, so I, I did my $99 ticket to, um, to where was it? Uh, I couldn't change my seat on hmm. the thing, but I think I could pick my seat. Um, and I was allowed to board yeah. in group two even though I had a basic economy ticket, because I was using the United credit card. So that's the key. Okay. I thought American was breaking ground here, but clearly I was wrong. No, what they've done is looked at what the other airlines have done and said, okay, fine. Because Shouldn't American, they have done this earlier then? Yes, they should have. American was the one that I hated the most. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is really terrible. Because whenever I'm basic economy on, on American, I get nothing. I'm like, really? But I have status, but yeah, you get nothing. So, um, another thing I wanted to point out, which I thought was interesting, in June, passenger levels year over year um, was 70% lower in 20. Again, pretty incredible, but not really surprising. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the year, it was more 
it was closer to 95, 99%. And, and so, they, look, I have a lot of friends who are younger and they don't care. They're flying, they're out there, they're doing everything. They're like, well, yeah. this is stupid, right? But that's what always happens, right? The, the older people in a society who have, we're, we're tainted because we know, we know what happened before. And so the younger, that's why all the younger people went to Florida and they partied like crazy in March. Yeah. They're like, we don't care. And a whole bunch of them got sick. Um, but, you know, they're young, so they get over it and move on. Um, but the older folks are like, well, I can't afford to get sick kind of thing. So well, that makes sense. Wow. Right. Good. I'm a, I'm a data hound, and you're a data hound, too. So this is really, really good stuff. But, yeah, this is a very American-focused show so far. Yeah, no, no, that, that actually makes uh, quite good sense that they're, that they're doing that. They just need to get rid of this economy. It is so annoying, and it's so st stupid. Because I don't even know if they're making... So I think that's going to happen, though. It is, because when you think about it, right, Ideally, they don't want to sell the entire airplane at basic economy prices. That's not right. the objective. The objective is to upgrade you because when you, when you, when you go through the booking process, it's always like, hey, it's only $35 more. And when you look at it, for like $35 more, that's what you're going to pay for a bag. And, but, but passengers don't think that way, right? All they see is, oh. Um, lowest fare. Lowest fare. So it's, it's kind of, it's it's kind of cheating if you think about it, right? Because they're showing a lower fear so they can show up higher in the in the systems. No, I don't see it as cheating at all. It's up to the passenger's intelligence. But there's, no, what there's is, no customer intelligence. What is that the airline's fault? It, um, yes. No, not because at all. We, well, but if we know that the customers are not thinking, I don't want to use the wrong words here. <laughs> Which, because when, when I used to work, um, you know, back in this part of the world, um, we had to uh, um, tell people, show, make it so that it's foolproof, so people know what's there, because people always say, I didn't see it. And it's like, but you check the box. Whose fault is that, though? Um, it is the fault of the customer. However, though, the customer service side of things have to deal with it. So if you're going to create problems for, for customer service and for the customer on the, on the back end, just fix it on the front end. See, again, I, I don't want to go too far, but isn't that creating like a, a, a victim mentality? Everyone's a victim. They will not take responsibility for anything. Correct. However, Which though, causes all sorts of issues. But as a brand, you want to make sure that people don't see you as the brand that, as a mean brand. And, and Southwest does a really good job of that, right? They, they go, oh, we're not like- the Well, they guys. did, right? Uh, I well, don't know if Southwest still has that advantage over um, the other airlines. Well, not- I really, really don't. Because people will complain about any and everything. Yes, they do. And they re so. they've realized though, Chris Shrew, that um, if they complain loud enough, i.e. on social media, the airlines would fix That's it. right, that's um, right. And it's true because I've had issues with the airline or just other, yeah. like, I mean, you know, I had issues with that one hotel brand and they have not responded to me. I guarantee you if I was blasted it on social media, somebody would have called me already. And it's been what, five, six weeks now. Yeah. So, um, so that happened. I don't agree with it, but I can see why people would 
why people would do it. And, and it's the brand's fault. Like, why aren't you taking care of the customers so they don't have to go to social media and yell at you? But well, we should have a show about this. We're <laughs> going to agree to disagree. Oh, come on, Kishore. Let's just no. disagree. <laughs> people need to take responsibility for their actions. Okay, well, let, well, that's can't start order. whining about something that just doesn't go their way because of well, their own fault. Can we move think? on because we're veering uh, very, very well, close that's okay. to political? But oh well, yeah, we're, we're not going to go political. But what do you guys think about this in the airline industry or in the service industry? Um, we recognize that some people want more than they should get, but do you think that brands should try to make it clearer? Although it is very clear, although every step of the way we say if you click this, you bought it. Um, you know, or uh, what do you think? Uh, Kushar and I are disagreed on this, which is fine. Uh, but what do you guys think? Uh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So the next thing we have is so we're talking about the basic economy, Southwest, as we we're just talking about Southwest. Um, what are they doing in Miami and California now? I thought it was a very uncharacteristic announcement. It was almost cryptic. Oh wait, your sound has gone up. Uh, welcome back. Uh, for some reason, the audio went out, and so uh, we had to restart the recording. Um, you know, technology sometimes is uh, fails us. So um, it's going to be a little disjointed. For uh, no, it, it, it like if I hadn't told you guys that we had a problem, you would never notice that there's a problem because it's editing, right? We're not live, so uh, okay. So the next story we have is that um, Southwest and uh, Southwest are doing something in Miami and California. What are they up to? So again, this is more of significance to um, the US and uh, listeners here on this continent. But Southwest has always avoided Miami in Florida in favor of uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is like this fortress hub for them almost, um, and West Palm Beach up the coast from Miami. The only time they went into, into Miami was for maintenance of their 737s. So I guess they're feeling the pain as well. And uh, they announced very cryptically on September 3rd that they were going to start flights into Miami. Hmm. They didn't say from where or from um, which cities and when they were going to do this, but they also included Palm Springs in California, which again, both of these are leisure destinations predominantly, yeah. but um, I'm sure American is not too thrilled with this because American has this massive, massive hub in um, Miami. Yeah. And... Uh, introduction of Southwest is not going to be very welcome. Um, and actually, I'm sure Delta is not happy as well because um, most American listeners will recognize that Miami is the premier U.S. gateway for everything south of the border of right, the U.S. Exactly. to Latin, Central, and South America. Now, Delta recently bought LATAM, um, and they have a huge presence in Miami. So with Southwest going in, 
Um, they're probably going to steal some traffic away from certainly Delta and American, but be that as it may, they've announced um, Miami service. And given that this is less than 50 miles ish from Fort Lauderdale, um, it may or may not be surprising considering Palm Beach, West Palm Beach is not that far from Fort Lauderdale either. But anyway, um, so they made this announcement. Um, and again, they've provided no details, which I'm assuming are forthcoming soon. And they also announced Palm Springs, as I said earlier. The reason this is significant is because California is a huge travel market. And yeah. Southwest is by far the largest intra-California carrier. Now, by adding Palm Springs, which is a leisure destination in the desert in the southeast, they're going to increase their um, presence in the state. But um, I really thought they'd got most of the U.S. covered, but turns out they have not. not. Yeah, I really, I didn't, um, never realized they never flew to Palm Springs. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's interesting. So, well, well, you know, and it's interesting with Palm Springs there because it's not that far from L.A. And so for those people who live in the, is that the, mo, is that the Western? But it's far enough, right? Isn't it about part? four to five hours driving? Uh, no, I don't think no? it's that okay. far. I'm trying to think because I had, um, when I did my Las Vegas to, to the Mojave trip and then Mojave down to LA, um, I went right by Palm Springs and I had to stop and move okay. off for a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know how far it is. We'll have to check. We'll have to check that. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize that they never flew into Palm Springs. Huh. Huh. Go but, figure. Yeah. Well, way to go, way to, way to go Southwest is like uh, shaking up. Again, the, no details, which is very surprising. So I'm wondering why they made this very yeah. um, brief announcement. Oh, that's true. But I thought it was significant. Oh, no, it definitely is. And uh, and what I'll do is that while while you talk about the next one, I look at, I'll look up the, the driving distance between LA and Palm Springs because I've driven it, but I for the life of me I can't remember how far it was. All right, so the next story we have is um, uh, Virgin Atlantic is going to offer free COVID nineteen insurance to travelers. Yes, that's there. Um, actually, this was a story that I had on um, for last week, but I just uh -huh. forgot to add it. And again, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Emirates um, being the first carrier to offer COVID insurance for its passengers. Mm -hmm. Well, Virgin has uh, jumped on that, that bandwagon in uh, collaboration with Allianz uh, Global, which is an insurance provider worldwide, um, for coverage for all travelers from August 24th in 2020 to March 31st, 2020, 21. And they're going to do this automatically. There's absolutely no charge to passengers. Um, and it's going to cover up to 650,000 US dollars for any emergency medical um, expenses, including repatriation and any funeral costs. Um, accommodation and uh, any transport costs if you are um, embargoed or uh, quarantined. 
I'm uh, sorry, uh -huh. quarantined or denied boarding. boarding. Now, um, Emirates started this in July. And then you mentioned a little earlier that Flight Dubai is doing the same thing. Yes. And Spain are. and Portugal have also done this. Spain, I think, yeah. from the Canary Islands and Portugal have done this. But um, there are no restrictions, no pre-existing conditions for the uh, Virgin Atlantic coverage, but Emirates doesn't have it either. And um, what you do need is a requirement for a round trip fare. And uh, what I thought was interesting that even if partner travel is involved, and this would be Air France, KLM and Delta, okay. it was still valid provided you booked it through Virgin Atlantic. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So for one-way travel, it's only applicable until 12 hours after you land at your final destination. Yeah. So the one thing I'm unclear about in both these cases of um, uh, Emirates and um, Virgin Atlantic, how do you know when you, how can you prove that you caught the infection on board one of these flights because the incubation period is anywhere from a few hours to 14 days. Yeah, I don't so think how they, are they going to prove this? I don't think they care. Um, so I find that hard to believe because so you, you can go to a destination and uh, get and do all these risky things and then get uh, free insurance coverage that somehow just doesn't sound right. Well, I, mean, but I can't but, find details of this. How do you yeah. prove you caught this on well, you, Emirates, Flight Dubai, or... Uh, I mean, you can't, right? Flight. You can't. It's, it's travel insurance. So they, you traveled, and no matter what you did, you caught it. And so you caught it, and they said they're going to pay for it. My Let's thing, say you go to a party the night of your arrival. Yeah, but right? it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter how you caught it. You caught it. Because you still don't know how, we, people, we still don't know how, we, how we, we get it, right? True. I mean, like you can't pinpoint, I got it when I did this. You know you have it. So, I, I mean, you're right. Of course, you're going to have to have claims and stuff like that. But I think what the insurance company realized, and this is all about money, right? They're of all course. that we are losing money because we, we went and we said, we're not covering you for COVID. And then they all step back and go, Oh wait a minute! Nobody's buying insurance anymore, and so now they've all they've all said, "Well, we're just gonna have to figure out how are we gonna cover it," because the fact that they're covering it with Virgin and Virgin is paying for it, and don't worry, it's coming out of your ticket, <laughs> so it's not free. That's a lot of money, though. Uh, well, yeah, but it's it's insurance, right? So right. it is, and they're doing, you know, I mean, you know how insurance right? they're banking that nobody takes the claim and uh because so, well but only a few people will take the claim and then people are not going to get drastically sick and they'll be covered they'll get more money from uh from virgin because they're probably paying every like let's say virgin has 300 people they're probably charging virgin 20 bucks a person or something like that but virgin is getting traffic that they never would have gotten before right. if people are scared it looks yeah. good marketing wise because you're like oh yeah we're cool now and so the insurance companies look good, the passengers look good, and it'll be interesting, as you say, to see what happens when they make a claim for the first time. You see, that's the thing with the press. One of my 
big um, sore points with the press that I doubt we will ever see a follow-up. Oh, we will. I would love to hear about we will, what happens. We will because it's social media and one of our little millennials that we're talking about before is going to have a problem and they're going to take the social media and we're going to find out. So let's... God, God bless them. <laughs> but as I said, this was from last week and I forgot. But I thought it was valid. It is very And valid. I just wanted to add that this week um, we reached another step in this topic we covered a few months ago. Okay. Virgin being in bankruptcy. Uh-huh. Well, the airline was finally sold to Bain Capital. Uh, uh, investment company uh, this year, from? this week. They're the ones that did the North, was it the Northwest Continental merger, right? I, you know, way I back when. I, I don't think, I think it's Bain that did that. It's Mitt Romney's company. That company has a lot of money. They've done a lot of stuff in aviation. Yes. Yeah, they have a so, aviation portfolio. Um, so yeah, they're going to go ahead with it. But I was very surprised to hear that one of the big losers will be all the airlines that invested in Virgin Australia, specifically um, the HNA Group, which is the Hainan Airlines Group of China, Singapore Airlines, and, and Etihad. Why? They're going to lose every part of the, the restructuring agreement. And bondholders for Virgin Australia will get, um, I believe, 10 cents on the dollar. Uh, but where they were, their total, what they were owed were two billion US dollars. But um, whatever happens, the sale has gone through, and Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Australia, is going to restructure. They're still going to lose a lot of staff, but again, all that was part of the agreement. Yeah. And no more long haul. It's going to revert to a seven thirty seven only fleet. No yeah, more triple sevens or three thirties. Which is what they were before, right? Yeah, this is just yeah. a bunch. Of, but you know what's going to happen? In, a, in two years, they're going to go back. Because yeah. they're like, oh, we don't have enough flights across the Pacific. Uh, let's go back. Yeah. So we know it's going to happen. Um, oh, that's crazy. Oh. You know, Kusha, don't you have a few million saved that we can go invest in some of these, uh, <laughs> in some of these deals that's going on? Oh, my God, that's too funny. Uh, okay, good news there for Bridging. Glad they're getting back on. I just looked up the, the uh, Fly Dubai thing, wow. and it says, uh, quickly, free global cover. You'll automatically receive free, glo yeah, free global cover for COVID-19-related costs, and there's an asterisk. When you book your flight through flydubai.com, through our mobile app, customer center, or travel shops, or through your travel agent, the cover is valid for 31 days from the time you take the first flight on your itinerary. You will remain covered even if you travel onwards to another city if you are diagnosed with COVID-19 while you're away from home. We will cover your medical expenses up to 150,000 pounds, I mean, sorry, euros, and your quarantine costs up to 100 euros per day for 14 days. So it sounds like you have to That's get sick while you're traveling. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. These expenses require approval approval and are subject to terms and conditions and have a link to terms and conditions. So if you go to Fly Dubai, they have a thing on their, on their, on their front page. Um, also, just to do, um, add on to Virgin Australia, Virgin Atlantic also is very, very close to getting their bailout money because they had announced fairly recently that they were going to run out of money next month. Yeah. 
and I think all it is, all that remains is a vote by um, UK board um, okay. for clearance of the funds. Okay. So... Both the Virgin brands are well on their way to. Uh, uh, okay, so they're closed. And back in what's the other one? Fire to buy. Okay, and the other thing that we were that we were talking about the distance between from LA to Palm Springs is two and a half hours, two two hours and eight minutes. Okay, so it's very close, and I guarantee you, people are just gonna be driving to Palm Springs if they can get cheaper fares. Yeah, it's east yeah. of LA. Uh, yes, it's, 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 it's okay. east of LA, like directly east actually, and so um, I think that's what's gonna end up happening. Uh, people, it's a, it's one hundred and twenty six miles. And so lots of people live okay. in between. And they How just many kilometers? Uh, 200-ish. Yeah. So oh. it's, it's an easy drive. And there's, and there's one highway, the, four, the 605, that runs between the two. <clears throat> okay. So it's going to be easier. So our next story is, um, what's Air France up to? What are, they, what are they doing? I saw this article yesterday. Um, and it's actually the first... I had never heard of this, yeah. but I was uh, very impressed with it. It's called the Horizon 2030 plan for the Air France group. Okay. Um, as far as I know, this is only Air France for now and not KLM uh, yet, but uh, I don't have final confirmation that this will also apply to, to KLM oh. uh, by 2030. Yeah. But they have slowly but steadily been trying to, or actually they are reducing their carbon footprint. They want to halve their carbon dioxide emissions per passenger kilometer by 50% by 2030. Okay. Uh, and they're implementing this from all stages of their operation, from the ground all the way to in-flight. And one big test of this was um, actually two days ago in Paris uh, CDG, where they had a Paris to Delhi, uh, India, Airbus 350 flight yeah. that was handled on the ground exclusively by electrically operated ground equipment. Everything from the air conditioner on board uh, unit to uh, the engine startup to the uh, baggage tractors bringing the passenger bags to the baggage loaders the conveyor belts to the cargo loaders those hydraulic things that go up and down and the pushback tub uh, these were um, what I thought was interesting that some of this equipment especially the baggage conveyor belts were repurposed from thermal energy. Now, I'm not sure what that means um, okay. to electric using these lithium-ion batteries that are used in our phones. They are collaborating with a French startup called C-A-R-W-A-T-T. -T. I'm assuming that stands for something. Yeah. And also a pretty established ground equipment manufacturer called TLD. Now, all these, this was new to me. But I was reading this uh, Horizon 2030 plan, and that's where they specified it. So by the end of 2020, they expect 
almost 60% of their ramp equipment at Paris CDG, Paris Orly, and all France airports where Air France has an operation to be um, electric. And this is mainland France, so not Corsica. That's interesting. Uh, and then they expect that number to rise to 90% by 2025, allowing them to reach their goal of serving 10,000 tons of carbon dioxide um, every year, which I think is pretty impressive. And just to put it in perspective, their goal in fuel consumption is less than three liters of consumption per 100 kilometers by 2030. Okay, so this is three liters um, by per 100 kilometers by 2030. Equivalent, uh, just to put things in perspective, a car, a standard petrol fuel uh, car takes six liters per 100 kilometers. This is essentially half that. And to convert that to gallons, the six liters per 100 kilometers is uh, 0.8 gallons per 62 miles. To me, this sounded really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like I'm it. not sure if other carriers have been doing this more quietly. Yeah. Uh, and well, have not announced it in such a big way. So um, I don't know that. I've seen, like, uh, again, when you're in San Francisco and you look outside, um, they have these electric things that they use to push back the little planes. Yes. Um, so I know they, Continental Airlines did, and I'm pretty yeah. sure United is doing the yes. same, but not to this extent, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I think at smaller stations, you'd see them. The, my, my, my only thing with, with this stuff is, you know, and I, I, I'm for the environment, so don't get me wrong, um, but I want that to be a balance. So you're doing all this. Are you, it sounds like you're going to get rid of people uh, in the process. I don't think so. Yeah, well, get rid of people if just the equipment is electric. It's well, not the, automated. I, I, the, the people who repair them, you don't need them anymore. Well, I'm sure you need to repair electric yeah. equipment, right? Well, probably, probably probably it breaks down like everything else. Yeah, but you probably don't, don't you need think? Many, yeah, you probably don't need as many people. So I'm okay with all this, but I want to see the other side of it. I want to see them give me the full picture. I don't want them to just say, oh, we're trying to save the environment, but you just laid off 10% of your staff. So see, you don't you that. think that's what they call creative destruction? Um, yes, but I think it's bad because the same thing that happened with they when they said, oh, we're going to have kiosks. We're not going to lay anybody off. And look what happened now. Now they're yeah, telling that's you. coming in AI, right? This robotic technology. Yeah, it's happening I'm, everywhere. But yeah. Agreed, but I, what, what I want people to do is not replace- How can you stop human, it though? Uh, because we can think about it. We can think about how can we use the current knowledge that we have to do something else within the company. What a lot of these companies do is they just get rid of people. They're like, we don't need you anymore because we've automated you out of a job. Um, and so they're trying to save money. And I get it. They have to save money and all that. But in the meantime, you're laying off someone. So someone who used to do this, do these jobs, don't have any jobs anymore and so you so really what, what 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 would you suggest as an option though um think about how you can retrain that employee to do something else within your company 
um, rather than just getting rid of them. And I know that a lot of people, they just get rid of them because it happened with kiosks. It happened with all these automations that happened at the check-in. They, they basically have one employee instead of a whole bunch of employees and now they have all these. Right. I know they but you don't see that as a natural evolution of technology? Um, it may not be humane. It may not be what we want. But, I mean, look at coal miners. Yeah, but I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. I, I, don't like when you, I don't like when you blatantly replace someone without giving because It's a person that's... Right. Basically but you see that happening across all sections of society. Truck that, driver. Doesn't make it the right. The new truck. May not. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make it right. They need to figure out... Um, because you're saying you're doing it for the environment, so you're quote unquote protecting the environment, but you're killing a family because now you're taking that breadwinner out of the, out of the market, unless you retrain yeah. that that breadwinner to do something else in your company or make sure their skills are transferable. And in the airline I, industry, absolutely. in the airline industry, you know how that works. People just stay there and they don't leave until stuff like this happens but is that again is that the airline's fault uh yes because you employed me don't don't throw me away don't throw me away when you no longer need me but uh, do you think there's any loyalty towards companies anymore across not just the aviation field absolutely not but that's in the past yes because you heard of a lot of people of course it's a problem Right, that's a big problem because you but everything, as you say, you have now come down to money. Yes, there is no loyalty at all. I guess I'm a people person. I, I, I oh, it's, it's like even now, right? So people are still complaining about the environment when there are people dying of COVID. They're like, oh, you can't use all this plastic. But I'm like, yeah, but people are dying. So you need that balance. And yeah. sometimes we don't. I don't think we see the balance. We just see one thing. And then we go, oh, we need to save the environment. Okay, at what expense now? Um, you know, it's like people who install solar stuff, but it's actually Remember, costly. Remember, without an environment, without a healthy environment, there's nothing else matters. Well, that's I mean, true. we could talk about this till the But you still forever. need people. You still need people. Of and I don't, you I don't, still need people. Yeah, I don't like of when course. they take the people out of the equation. I really like... We we need the balance, and it doesn't seem that there's a. I, from this story, this is a good story. Don't get me wrong; it's actually a really good story. But I want the other side. I want you to tell me what's going to happen with the employees that you have, and when you when you get rid of them, because you are, you are going to. But how um, would you get rid of employees for things like baggage loading? How would you do that? You have to have employees. Well, you know what's going to happen eventually. It's going to be automated, so you won't need somebody. You won't need a baggage guy driving that cart from the plane to the inside the whole thing is just going once once it's electric it's going to be automated because you can just set it up and say uh drive from here to there and you, you give it a route and it just drives uh from there to the baggage room and all you need you, you won't even need a person because all you have to do is have it go to a chute and it gets hooked up to the chute and then the conveyor belt pulls everything off so they are going to get rid of people, Kishore. It's just a, it's a natural progression. But what I want them to do right. is to right. think about how are you going to um, get these people back in? How do you? And, and that's what I have unions. Unions are like, well, you can't do it because you haven't given me a way 
that is going to protect my employees. Because you're basically putting somebody out of work, but you need to make sure you train them to do something else within the company. Is just is all I'm saying. No, I see your point, but yeah. uh, this know, is not just the airline industry. It's every correct. single facet of business, every it, single one. It is every single thing. And it's, it ha it's happening too much. And then, then the CEOs get rewarded for saving the company money. And how do they reward yeah. them? They give them more money, but you just fired a whole bunch of people so that you could get more money. Let's that's not go into CEO, CEO salary <laughs> because that's... <laughs> Just That's a whole outrageous to even bring up. Uh, you can tell how Kushra and I feel about uh, about this inequity among among airline employees. Um, all right, so let's do the next one. <laughs> this is supposed to be the feel good episode. <laughs> I'm funny. blaming you. It's totally me. Um, all right, so Equatoriana, which is in Ecuador, and, uh, and Panam, uh, what are they up to? Now, this was a very selfish story, because okay. I remember, as a kid, I remember Equatoriana. Uh, they started in 1957, by the way. Really? They've been around that the, What's that? They've been around that long. Yeah, I hate to use the word iconic, because it is so incredibly overused. I, I really think Equatoriana and Pan Am are sort of iconic names, in my opinion. Now, arguably, you could include others, like Mexicana or Eastern Airlines, at least in the Americas. But they went out of business in uh, 2006. I used to love their color schemes. In particular, the, the one I remember very clearly was a very brightly colored 707. Boeing 707. Yep, yep. I know most younger generations will not know what the heck I'm talking about. But um, anyway, long story short, they went out of business. They were a government owned airline. They went private and they went out of business. Equatoriana, right? Equatoriana. Okay. So then the government, and they were based out of Ecuador in right. South America. So then the government introduced dummy, which I didn't realize was. Um, established by the military because it stands for Transportes Aereos Militares Equatorianos uh, for TAME. Okay. And they went bust in May this year. They were liquidated. So now this group of investors seized an opportunity for Ecuador because uh, Latam and Aviancar are both in uh, reorganization after announcing bankruptcy earlier this year. And they want to reinstate the Equatoriana name right. as another, the new Ecuadorian carrier. Now, what I found particularly interesting is that their aircraft choices were uh, unusual. They stretch all the way from Beechcraft 1900, which some of you may remember from ages ago it used to be a regional aircraft in the u.s i'm sure it's still flying overseas it's really a 19-seater ish uh then it goes to the uh de havilland dash 8 q200 uh again small capacity aircraft the atr 42 uh again prop aircraft but it goes all the way to the 
Airbus 220, which is the new one from Bombardier, the renamed uh, CS300, right. CS100, sorry, uh, to the Airbus 319, and this is the weird one, the 737 Classic Series. So clearly these people do not seem to have too much of a budget, but yet they've included the A220 in their list, short list for aircraft types. Uh, they would operate predominantly from Quito and Guayaquil, which are the largest cities in Ecuador. Right. right. I just wanted to include this because um, they went through so many different color schemes. That was the one thing that stood out for me, Equatoriana. Um, and I just thought it would be interesting to mention it. Now, whether this happens or not, uh, we'll find see, out right? later this year. Yeah. It, it, it is pretty oh. cool that they're doing all these little bailouts and it just shows you how much money is in the world. Yes. yes. <laughs> do you remember, let me ask you this, do you remember Equatoriana? Yes, I do actually. And I do remember Tommy. I didn't realize Tommy went out of business. We didn't talk about that one. Uh, I guess we missed it. Yeah, but we can't talk about it in this one because, you know, this is a, this is a feel-good <laughs> episode. Um, but yeah, no, I do remember, I, I haven't flown Equatoriana and I haven't flown Tame. And that's one of the bad things about this uh, whole COVID thing is that a number of airlines are going into business that I haven't yet flown. Although I've flown 180, Christian, you need to, you need to get the number of airlines you've flown. Oh. So you, you need to document that. I'll send you my list and then you can use that and check out. But I'm sure you have a lot more that you've flown, um, that I haven't. So that would actually be cool. But, no. uh, I've, I have done some South American, I guess, Quito flying, um, but I haven't flown on the local airlines. This was an article in Simple Flying, by the way. Yeah, uh, those, which those I think guys have been writing. Yeah, they're kind of writing a lot of things. I think I met the guy who runs yes, it. They have a lot of writers, actually. Yeah, they do. I and met they have the guy. Very interesting short stories. Yeah, there the, is a bunch of young guys and they just write yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. They're, they're all airline geeks and they have nothing better to do. We should probably grab one of them and, and, and bring, him, bring him on here and, uh, and so. chat with them. Actually, you know, that's what I should do. There's a bunch of the guys that I've met at, at shows and stuff like that. And um, I should bring them on because they're, they're very cool and they're just geeks, total, totally airline geeks. And so it's good. We need younger people to carry on with all because this. Again, just harking back to Equatoriana, they used to be a fairly large airline for such a small country. Yeah. Came to the US, I know, and they were pretty, um, they covered South America pretty comprehensively. Yeah. At least for that period in time. Yeah. So um, I definitely need to get, uh, we're going to try to get them on. Uh, one of them anyway if it's the same guys uh yeah they do a bunch of trip reports i've actually met a few of them on my flights okay um yeah i was looking at the other one and see if it was the same one that my friend felix runs about us hold on one sec i'm just quickly checking blah 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 Allah, hold on blah uh so there's aaron Joanna, Thomas, Jay, Chris, Summit. I've not met these guys yet. I'm just looking at the list of people that's here. I haven't met them yet. I was thinking it was another guy, but it's not. No, I haven't met anyone from here. 
Um, but I'm pretty sure we've been at the same events from time to time. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll have to find one of them and bring them on so they can talk because they do a lot of European stuff. Uh, wow. They have quite they have quite a big team. They never had this big team when I first looked at it. Wow, the team is really expanded. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. So let's do the next one. Uh, Thai. Oops, international. I got one. Oh, Thai international. What are they up to now? Now here again, this is uh, done primarily for my own benefit because. I love airline food. You can hate me for saying that. I think it's wonderful. Airline and food is good. I think one of the best airlines for airline food is Thai International. And uh, while reading this article, this was in CNN Travel, by the way, I found out that um, AirAsia, which is uh, a Malaysian low-cost carrier, I'm sure almost every airline geek knows about this, they started their uh, a restaurant in Kuala Lumpur, to be particular, yeah. on uh, Lumpur Street in Mid Valley City, uh, in um, Kuala Lumpur. Apparently, this is close to an area called Bridgefield, which is Little India in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Maybe oh, okay. too much information, but uh, it's called Santan, which is coconut milk in Malay. So what they did last year, late last year in December, is that they opened a restaurant, um, Santan in KL, and uh, they would sell entrees based on their in-flight uh, meals. Some of the options they had was uh, nasi lemak, which is, um, again, a very typical Malaysian dish with rice and eggs. Uh, they also had satay, skewers. Yeah. And this beef rendang, all of which are delicious. Um, and then just this week, I heard that Thai in Bangkok have done something very similar. Um, they opened a cafe. They're calling it a restaurant cafe. This is actually at um, their headquarters um, in Bangkok, right. which is near this. Uh, Chattanooga Park. That was the one landmark I remember from Bangkok. And they've got it on the second floor. And what is very interesting is that they've used one of these um, ladders, if you will. I don't know if people will remember. Air Air stairs. Yes. Um, To access this restaurant. It's cool. The restaurant has old Thai seats, the multicolored seats. And the tables are the rims of aircraft wheels. So they've tried to make this as as authentic as possible. Um, And you get a boarding pass on arrival. And of course, you get all the meals. Um, For instance, they had had this penne pasta. Now, I've never had that on a Thai flight, and I would never choose it because I would always choose that. (laughs) So that works out to about four US dollars. Then they also had chicken tikka with naan or a rice, which is an Indian delicacy, for about four and a half US dollars. Uh, they have desserts as well as including some Thai entrees. But oh, um, I couldn't see a comprehensive list of their dishes, but I would definitely try and go here if I was next when if and when I was next in Bangkok. Yeah, and uh, again, it's at the Thai Airways headquarters. 
um, and it's on the DMK tollway. And so it's accessible to the public, right? Yes, it is. It's only open from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., but Wednesday to Friday only, which is a little odd. And you can get the main dish entrees from 9 a.m. onwards. But again, I thought it was very interesting. It is. Trying this. It is cool. I have a blogger friend who's um, who lives in Thailand. I should probably tell him about it, although he probably already knows about it, and maybe he can uh, go check it out. Um, um, I don't know if this is too much information again, but it's on a street called Vibhavdi Rangsit Road. Okay, we're we're gonna. It's the Thai headquarters. Yeah, we're gonna have to put a link or something in the show notes. If you guys come to the page at passrather.com slash WHIT. And this is- And if you've be been, let us know. Yeah, and this is episode 29. Then yes. um, we'll have a link to the restaurant and more information on that. Um, uh, but you know, I'm pretty sure if you oh. go to Bangkok and you ask anybody where's a Thai restaurant as an airplane, they'll tell you. But it's not an airplane. Yeah. It's just or the second floor of the headquarters. Yeah. Oh, do you? Just, so just when you get to the airport, just ask the people at Thai customer service. Yeah. And if they don't know, yeah. tell them, go ask somebody else so you can find out where it is. I did it on Uncle Google using Uncle Google's help. Oh, yeah. Those guys. <laughs> All right. So we got one more for you in the, in the aviation. We, we have quite a bit more, but what we're going to do, we're going to close this episode in Ireland, and then we're going to just do another episode on just all the aircraft stuff. So this would be episode 29 and 29A, probably going to be episode 30 anyway. So the last item we have is um, uh, Ukraine International. Uh, <laughs> uh, passengers on airplane are quite interested. So what did this person do in Ukraine International? You probably never heard of Ukraine International, but they actually do flight from New York to, to Uzbekistan, right? Uh, Ukraine. Ukraine, sorry, I'm, I'm being yes. mixed up my countries now. Um, so they do they do flights um, to there, and then from there you can get back to Europe. And it's actually a really cheaper way to get to Europe, and you get to pass into a new country if you're into new countries. So what, what so, did they, what did this passenger do? So this week, um, this is summer travel, right? In the, yeah. In the northern hemisphere. So there was this flight from Antalya in Turkey. Um, which is on the southern coast, just north of Cyprus, just to get your uh, bearings, back to Kiev, uh, Borisipil Airport, KPP. It had some sort of a mechanical issue with the gate. So the passengers were on board, and this one, clearly a tourist, since she's coming back from Antalya, which is a beach destination, she felt, as she says, too hot. So how did she solve the problem? She popped open the emergency exit of 737 and went for a walk on the wing to cool down. Now, the fact that she could do it is pretty impressive, but the cluelessness with which she did that is scary. I thought this happened mainly in certain areas of the world, but clearly I was wrong. Yes. Passengers all over the world tend to lose their minds when they are in or going <laughs> into or out of an airport. So, um, of course, they called, this triggered all sorts of alerts 
and doctors and Ukraine International Airlines, UIA staff, uh, ordered her back in and she did go back in very willingly. Uh, she had a husband and kids on board as well, by the way. So this was no crazy person. They determined that she was not under the influence of alcohol and drugs, but the airline was clearly not amused and uh, they banned her for life, for ever flying UIA. Oh. Now, the one thing that I learned this time is that you can open the exit, the two exits on each side, the overwing exits of a 737 without triggering shoots, slides. Yes, they pop up. Yes, they pop up. And they are Just no like a Tesla yeah. Model Y. Yeah, car. they both pop up. There are no shoots on them. There are no... Right. They, so that was fortunate. Yeah, because they, um, the things are inside. They're overhead. Yes. Yeah. Life rafts. Dude, the flight attendant points them out every time. Do you not pay attention? Apparently not. <laughs> so, um, because you're so low, you're so low to the ground. This is always yes, the weird thing about yes. a 737, right? They always tell you that a flight attendant is going to help you because if you need to get that, that thing out, they have to pop it out from the top. Yes. And that's why they show it. Show it and you actually, you mentioned this, but um, the 737 but, is the only uh, narrow body commercial still produced that does not require slides because the aircraft is so low to the ground that once the flaps are fully extended on the wing, you can simply slide down the aircraft yeah, yeah. on the way to the ground. Right, because right. the Airbus 320 and even the 220 are too high and they require slides. Yeah. But anyway, she did this and she got banned. Good for her. Good so, for them and her. Uh, one thing question I wanted to ask you. Again, I'm putting you on the spot, it seems. This, okay, this that's fine. Let's see if I let's let's see if I'm Antalya good. in Turkey, huge leisure, leisure destination. You see the flights uh if you're at a European airport, uh -huh. can you guess how many carriers, most of these would be chartered, but some reach, some scheduled as well, fly into Antalya, typically in the summer, because it's a hot destination in the summer. Can you guess how many different carriers? Uh, Antalya in Turkey. 20. Try 78. Get out of here. Yes. Now, this includes airlines like, for instance, TUI Netherlands, TUI Belgium, TUI UK, oh, but still. Smart Wings, and um, things like that. But I still think it's incredible. A That's lot of a these lot are of Russian carriers. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. There we go. I wasn't thinking. Like Aeroflot, S7. Yeah. Um, but Qatar does. Most of these flights are right. seasonal. But I still thought, I just couldn't believe it. Clearly, I need to fly more airlines, Kishore. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be some uh, destination. Uh, yeah, it, I've, so, I've heard about it. I've not been there yet. Uh, Turkey. Oh, is AYT, by the way. Uh, yeah, Turkey. Turkey amazes me at all the because you know most people so, just go to Istanbul, right? Um, but have you been? Yeah. To, have you been to Ephesus? No, not yet. Oh my God, that's an amazing place. Uh, we did it on a cruise. Um, and we did like, uh, it wasn't Heraklion, but there was another place that we did on the Turkish coast here, but it, it's amazing. It is, that, that era is so different than, the, than Istanbul is. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah. just go to Istanbul, right? And, uh, and so the other thing too is that people think the capital of Turkey is Istanbul, which is not. 
<laughs> it's accurate, right? Right. <laughs> but lots of people do think that that's the case. So, but um, all right. Did you have anything else on that story? No. Uh-uh. All right. Cool. But I just so, thought it was interesting, and it was sort of a funny but not so funny story, because yeah. I couldn't figure out how or what expense was required to close the door again to seal it for the next flight. But I don't think that was a big issue on the 737. No, because the there slide, was no shoot involved. Yeah, the slide didn't pop. So or really, all yeah. you had to do was just close it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, and if anyone's listening and know what's we like, uh, I know in the U.S. they probably have to cancel the flight and do all kind of paperwork and stuff like that. But the rules in other countries are quite different. Right. So um, if, everyone know, if anyone knows what needed to be done with this. And like you said, the, the media never follows up with all this story, but this is the aviation geekery <laughs> that we need. But if, I don't, if anyone knows what happens there, just uh, drop us a note or something. We'd definitely be, we'd love to hear about it. Oh. And so- I'm sure um, the husband and the kids, I don't know how old the kids were, but she was quite young. They must have been mortified. Yeah. Get all mom, this attention. But mom, what are you doing? Unwanted attention. Okay, God. Okay, so this but is- um, this That's is, a cool uh, note to end on. It is. It is actually a cool one. Uh, cool, right? This, uh, so this, this is uh, episode 29. And um, thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks for listening to our banter. Um, this is kind of an interesting episode. We're trying to keep everything a little more upbeat um, because not everything is... Really Don't bad. count on it though, right? Yeah, it's going to change in the next episode, I'm sure. But remember that you can download uh, from... You can be one of our... We had 141,000 download. And thank you guys so much. Uh, since April, that's really, really good. I hope you guys are listening and pardon and sharing. Um, one of the things too is that we're on iTunes and we have like 300 and something downloads from iTunes, which is quite interesting. So most people are actually coming to the website and downloading it um, straight from uh, Buzzsprout. So we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, uh, we're on all their podcast channels. So just search for what's happening in travel with Kushu and Kerwin and then you'll be able to find us. So as we sign up from episode 29, uh, this is Kurtwin and my buddy. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. We will see you next time.